And after his time in the legislature, he served as the chair of the State Parole Commission and the North Carolina Education Lottery Commission. Many folks don't recall that Tony Wren was born in Wake County, graduated from Garner High School, and earned his undergraduate and law degrees from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And Eddie had a good name for a politician. I, I will, of course, followed his career, but never know, never knew that he was named for Anthony Eden, the British Prime Minister. That is correct. Right. Yep. Anthony Rand, his name. Of course, people knew him as Tony. That's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Larry Womble uh, died May 14th, age 78. Larry Womble was a member of the North Carolina House of Representatives for 18 years, 1994 to 2012. Uh, he represented constituents in Forsyth County and Winston-Salem. Um, Representative Womble put forth bills uh, for years, starting in 2005, to compensate victims for North Carolina's eugenics program, if we'll remember that. Uh, finally, eight years later, in 2013, after he had left office, a bill to pay sterilization victims became law. Prior to becoming a state representative, he was a Winston-Salem city councilman. He had several college degrees and for many years was a teacher and administrator in Winston-Salem schools, Larry Womble. And Linda Johnson died February 18, 74 years old. She was a member of the North Carolina House of Representatives from 2001 until the time of her passing. Um, she served 10 terms. She represented Cabarrus County, and she was chair of the House Appropriations Committee. She um, was a tax accountant in Kannapolis, North Carolina. So those are some politicians with a North Carolina sort of emphasis. Um, sort of want to change gears here for a moment, Tom, and talk about some other local folks. Uh, Marvin Malika. Um, who certainly was an extremely well-known architect and educator. He was the former president of the American Institute of Architects in 2009. Notably, he was the dean of the College of Design at North Carolina State University for 21 years, from 1994 to 2015. Um, and before and after that period, he was an administrator of architecture programs at schools in California. Wrote a lot of books. And he designed the Chancellor's Residence, the new Chancellor's Residence on Centennial Campus at NC State University. He died on May 4th. He was 70 years old, Marvin Malico. And a friend of mine, a good friend, Thomas Conway Jr., passed away May 15th. He was 71 years old. Thomas was the Chancellor of North Carolina's Elizabeth City State University. From 2016 until his retirement in 2018. And before that, he had been the vice chancellor and chief of staff at Fayetteville State University for eight years. But for 32 years, he held a variety of administrative positions at North Carolina State University, including a vice provost position and uh, uh, director of the first year college. Uh, Thomas was a native of Lewisburg, North Carolina, the father of two children. Thomas. Conway Jr. died May 15th, 71 years old. How are we doing, Tom? We're doing fine. If now would be a good place for you to take a break, it certainly would be for us. How about that? Oh, yeah. Very well. We'll be back with Dr. Funkhauser, Dr. Edward Funkhauser, uh, 
Professor, I, it is right to say emeritus, isn't it, Ed? Is that's, that correct? That's correct. That means I'm retired. You're retired from from, yeah. from professing, huh? but that's uh, right. but you're that's right. still the keeper of our role and still a a sort of a part-time radio announcer, as as has been your one throughout your life. Uh, right. Dr. Funkhauser will be back with more uh, on the list of those who we want to note before the colors fade. Uh, a necrology, a list of those who need to be remembered. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Radio 680 and 98.5 FM. I'm Kearney here on the Tom Kearney Show with an effort to catch up from our recent absence uh, in our list of uh, that we call a necrology, uh, borrowing words from the Greeks, I guess, a list of those who... Uh, have passed away, but who deserve to be remembered. And the keeper of the role, of course, is Dr. Edward Funkhauser, and he's going to go, I think, uh, to local people, Dr. Funkhauser? Yeah, I have some folks that I'd like to uh, talk about for a few minutes, and one of them is a fellow named Lee Calhoun, who passed away on February 22nd at the age of 86. Now, this takes a little bit of explaining. Uh, he has a very interesting life. Now, uh, Mr. Calhoun graduated from NC State University in agronomy in the early 1950s, just as the Korean War was getting underway, and he joined the Army. Uh, he didn't imagine that he would be a career soldier, but in fact he was, and retired as a lieutenant colonel. But it was when his military career was over that his true life's work began, collecting varieties of apples, more than 400 different varieties of apples, he sawed out old apple trees across the South, grafted twigs from them onto young trees, thereby saving the old cultivars before they became extinct. Some of his work can now be seen in the trees growing at the Horn Creek Farm State Historic Site in Pinnacle, North Carolina, which is the most interesting place to visit. Calhoun and his wife, Edith, wrote a book. Uh, the book was entitled Old Southern Apples, um, and he, this was a book about his important work and the fascinating role that apples have played in Southern culture. Calhoun's apple-saving work has received attention from important media across the nation, including the New York Times. Uh, Calhoun has been called the, he's been called the savior of the Southern apple, and he lived with his wife in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Uh, just for my information, for our listeners' information, uh, Home Creek Farm, uh, you mentioned Pinnacle, that's north of Greensboro and Winston-Salem, isn't it? That is correct, I believe. Uh, yeah, not, not a very, it's something one could do in a day. and, and uh -huh. it's one of, I think it's one of the state historic sites, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Yep. Okay. Well, I want to mention Wilson Roosevelt German. Uh, died May 16th, age 91. By the way, Mr. German's name is spelled J-E-R-M-A-N. Mr. German from Seaboard, North Carolina. That's where he's from. It's in Northampton County. He was the White House butler. I mean, the White House in Washington, D.C. He served 11 presidents for about 50 years, as a matter of fact. He started... Uh, as the White House as a White House janitor under President Eisenhower, and was promoted to Butler by John F. Kennedy, he worked as a major D for Barack Obama. Survived by four children, twelve grandchildren, and eighteen great grandchildren, he died of complications from COVID nineteen at his home in Woodbridge, Virginia, 
on May 16th. Well, uh, Tom, I know you remember, and many of our listeners tonight will remember Bobby Batista. Uh, Bobby died March 3rd. He was 67 years old. Now, uh, she was a longtime news anchor, of course, at CNN, um, really for 20 years, from 1981 to 2001. And she was one of the original anchors of CNN Headline News. But many around here remember her as the co-anchor with Charlie Gaddy on WRAL-TV News from 1977 to 1981. You remember, Tom? Indeed, I do. They, They just about had the market completely. Yes. And what's really interesting is that it was from 1977 to 1981 that they worked together. They were stunningly successful. Uh, the, frankly, the TV audience was owned by Charlie and Bobby. But it's really interesting because thinking back about it, most of us want to remember that it was longer than five years, you know? And, and that's, that's why when you said five years, I thought, well, I missed that one. But you're exactly right. Right. Seems like they were together longer, but that was it. She was a native, by the way, of New Jersey, had a bachelor's degree in radio TV broadcasting from Northwestern University, which is in suburban Chicago. Good school. We remember. Good school. Yeah. What's that? I say good school. Very good school, as a matter of fact. Well, let's turn our attention now to other people around our nation who have uh, passed away, Tom. And again, let me know about uh, when we're coming up to a break time, so forth. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, Joe Colombe, C-O-U-L-O-M-B-E. He died February 28th. He's 89 years old. Joe Colombe was the founder of Trader Joe's Grocery Stores. Oh, my goodness. California in 1967. Yep. Well, he sold Trader Joe's. Uh, in 1979 to a German firm, but he stayed on as the CEO until 1988 when he retired. Uh, Obviously, he did very well in this line of work. He and his wife, Alice, were very involved in philanthropic work in the Los Angeles area where they resided. He held bachelor's and master's degrees in economics and business from another very fine university, Stanford University. Right. Well, uh, you know, he when he bought the uh, started the the uh, what became Trader Joe's, he was going to be a, a, a competitor for Seven Eleven, but he he lost that battle. But he decided to go upscale, and we know how well he did after he did that. Yeah, yeah upscale from there. Yep, he sure did. Uh, Catherine Johnson uh, has gotten a lot of attention in recent years. He died February twenty fourth, and. She died at the age of 101. She was a mathematician, Tom, for NASA for 35 years, from 1953 to 1988. One of the first African-American scientists at NASA. Well, what she did originally was manually calculate trajectories, launch windows, and emergency plans for space capsule flights, moon landings, and space shuttle flights for many years. And then Didn't they make a about, movie about that? They sure did. Uh, the movie is entitled Hidden Figures. It came out in 2016, as a matter of fact, about um, Katherine Johnson and her colleagues. Uh, she also helped develop computer applications to make those 
uh, sorts of calculations that originally they did by hand. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in uh, 2015. Native of West Virginia, graduate of West Virginia State College in 1937, was Katherine Johnson. Well, I will want to say a few words about Jean Halderman. Died April 29th, 87 years old. Now, uh, Jean Halderman, late one night in 1962, got a call. And uh, his bosses at the Ford Motor Company said, we need a new design for a car that we want. And they gave him some particulars. And so he stayed up all night long. And he worked on a design for a car that became known as the Mustang. He submitted his work that next morning at 8 o'clock. And you know the rest of the story at work. Mustang became one of the most iconic vehicles ever produced by Detroit. It's been made each year for 55 years. Well over 8 million Mustangs have been sold to date, Tom. And I've owned four of them, as a matter of fact. Haldeman <laughs> <laughs> worked at Ford for 40 years. For 27 of those years, he was director of design for both Ford and Lincoln Mercury. And his cars have won Motor Trend Car of the Year several times. He retired from Ford in 1994 and later created a Mustang Museum in his hometown of Tip City, Ohio, which is very near Dayton, Ohio. Gene Haldeman. All right. Keep going, Tom. Two, you got two minutes, Ed. You got two minutes, Ed. Well, let's do Joseph Lowry. Dad, March 27th, age 98. Uh, Lowry was a Methodist minister and a civil rights leader. He was uh, almost 100 years old when he passed away, but he was one of the founders, along with Dr. Martin Luther King uh, and others, of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in 1957. He served president as president of this organization for 20 years, as a matter of fact. Uh, uh, Lowry had leadership positions in civil rights campaigns in the United States from the 1950s to the 1990s. You name the event or the campaign, and he likely had a significant role in it. He, too, received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2009, and Joseph Lowry Boulevard in Atlanta is named in his honor. Okay? Okay, you got about well, time for one more good one. Okay, well, I want to mention, let me mention Roger Kahn. Roger Kahn was an author. February the 6th is when he passed away. He was 92 years old. Roger Kahn uh, wrote, he was a sports writer. He wrote for Newsweek, and he wrote for the Saturday Evening Post, but he, he was famous for an author as being an author of a book, of one book, The Boys of Summer, 1972, and it is considered one of the very best sports books ever written, Tom, about the relationship he had with his father and their love for the Brooklyn Dodgers, the boys of summer, Roger Kahn. He wrote other books as well. And, and in particular, the Brooklyn Dodgers that finally won that pennant for Brooklyn, I think, in, what, 55 or 56. And I, I remember reading that book, and I enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah. Great book. Okay, well, here's where we're going to let you go for a moment, let you catch your breath, and reorient your pages before you. Dr. Edward Funkhauser is bringing us a list of those who have passed away in the last two or three months and who deserve to be remembered. 
We're going to continue after we check the news. Don't forget to set one of the buttons on the FM side for WPTF. Tom Kearney here. And this uh, Thursday night, uh, Dr. Edward Funkhauser is our guest. He has been the keeper of the role since about 2005, 2006 of those who are on our necrology, those who have passed away and, and left us and deserve to be remembered. And tonight we're having a kind of a potpourri. Uh, Dr. Funkhauser will lead us wherever he's going next. I'm enjoying listening to I'm uh, not enjoy. Enjoy is not the right word, but I, I feel up to date because I was away during the time that most of the people he's talking about tonight passed away, and I myself am learning as he goes along. Ed, are you ready to go again? I'm ready to go, Tom. Go. Uh, Linda Tripp uh, passed away April 8th, uh, 70 years old. Remember Linda Tripp? Uh, she was a civil servant, and she was a secretary in the White House during George H.W. Bush's administration, and for a year in the Clinton administration before she took a job in public affairs at the Pentagon in 1994. Uh, she had worked with a young woman named Monica Lewinsky. The White House became a confidant of Lewinsky regarding Lewinsky's relationship with President Clinton. And, you know, I guess the, most of us know the rest of the story. Uh, she recorded Lewinsky's phone calls. And uh, during which Levinsky revealed to Tripp many details of her relationship with the president. And to, again, make a long story short, these recordings found their way to independent counsel Kenneth Starr. The situation led to the impeachment of President Clinton in 1998. In the Senate vote, Clinton was acquitted of perjury and of obstruction of justice. But in 1998, Tom, Tripp was at the very center of the scandal. Uh, her name was a household word. Um, there were media reports about this virtually every day in 1998. Her name was known to everyone in our nation who read, watched, and listened to those reports. She left government work in 2001, and later she and her husband opened a small retail store in Middleburg, Virginia. Linda Tripp. Um, Saturn died, Tom. I, I was wondering when you were going to bring Saturn in. Saturn uh, died May 23rd, 84 years old. Tom Saturn was 10 feet long and weighed 450 pounds. He had green scales, a broad mouth, and yellow eyes. Yes, he was an alligator. Saturn <laughs> was an 84-year-old alligator, born in Mississippi in 1936, he was captured then and sent to the Berlin, Germany Zoo. Now, wait, this is before World War II, you know. <laughs> of the 16,000 animals in the Berlin Zoo, only 96, 96 survived the Battle of Berlin. Saturn was one of those. was recovered by the British, who gave him to the Soviets in 1946, and he has lived at the Moscow Zoo ever for the past 74 years. Saturn and his mate Shipka had no baby gators. She died some years ago. It was one of the most popular animals at the Moscow Zoo, especially with kids. His exhibit there was sponsored by the French clothing company Lacoste. 
as you know, uh, Lacoste corporate symbol is an alligator. There were rumors that this was Hitler's pet. Uh, that's not quite true, apparently. Hitler did go to the zoo and look at him, but to say that he was Hitler's pet is apparently not quite the case. Well, Ed, I'm going to have to get my Lacoste shirt out there and wear it tomorrow. Okay, okay. Tom, I have some authors I want to mention. Okay. Uh, Mary Higgins Clark, an author of suspense novels, 51 of them, Tom. Many millions of copies were sold all over the world. Uh, she's won lots of honors and awards for her writing. But one of the things that is notable about her, she wrote a book called On the Street Where You Live, and it was the New York Times hardcover bestseller number one. Another book she wrote, Before I Say Goodbye, was the New York Times paperback bestseller, number one, at the same time in 2001. Now, that's popular, Tom, as a matter of fact. Died January 31st. She was 92 years old. Uh, Clive Cussler, another well-known author, died February 24th. He was 88. Uh, successful novelist. He, he wrote thriller or adventure fiction, often with underwater adventure themes, because he was also um, an important underwater explorer who discovered more than 60 shipwreck sites. And uh, he also wrote many nonfiction works about his discoveries. But uh, he wrote more than 80 books. More than 20 of his fiction works appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. A member of the American Society of Oceanographers, as a matter of fact. But interestingly, Tom, Clive Cussler neither started life nor died near the ocean. He was born in Aurora, Illinois, and died in Scottsdale, Arizona. And of particular interest to Southerners, he was part of the team that found the submarine in the Charleston Harbor, the Hunley, that had been missing since the time of the Civil War. And I think okay. he helped underwrite that and was one of the leaders in the exploration. That's um, from the Civil War, yes. Yeah. Charles Portis uh, died February 17th, age 86. He was a novelist. Uh, he wrote um, uh, an, uh, a number of things, but he was best known for his classic Western story, True Grit which was made into a movie twice. True Grit was made into a movie in 1969 and in 2010. Uh, John Wayne won Best uh, Actor Academy Award for his performance as Rooster Cogburn in the 1969 True Grit movie. The 2010 True Grit movie was directed by the famous Coen brothers, Joel and Ethan, who also directed Fargo, The Big Lebowski, and others. And then those who have read the book and seen the movie say the book is much better than the movie. All right, I'll take the word. I haven't read the book. Perhaps I should. Maybe that'll be some good I, I haven't either, but I, I do know that I've heard more than one person. I'm a bookish person, as you are, and I sort of keep up with reviews and those people. And many, many people who've read it think the book is uh, much better than the movies. And I enjoyed the movies. I, I liked the, the John Wayne one particularly. Yeah. He also wrote a book uh, entitled Norwood in 1966, which was adapted as a movie 
1970, starring Glenn Campbell. Portis was an Arkansas native, um, a, a veteran of the U.S. Marines, and a graduate of the University of Arkansas. Well, he must have had a thing for Glenn Campbell because Glenn Campbell was in this 1969 version of uh, of uh, True Grit. Well, you know, you know where Glenn Campbell was from. He was also I actually from don't was it Arkansas. He was actually also from Arkansas. Okay, well that that makes sense now. It's, it's all well, no, together. Yeah, sure enough. All right, so how are we doing on time, Tom? We're doing all right. You you can do two or three more, and then we'll take a break. Okay, I want to um, uh, mention, uh, let's do Paul O'Neill. Um, he was the United States Secretary of the Treasury for two years, January 2001 to December of 2002. Uh, it is very likely that during that time you had his autograph in your purse or wallet, okay, because, of course, the Secretary of the Treasury signs money, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> He served under President George W. Bush when Neil left the office due to a disagreement with the administration. But uh, he had been active in private firms. He was CEO of the Alcoa and Rand Corporation, as a matter of fact, president of International Paper Company, and a consultant to several other companies. Um, and so uh, he grew up many places around the country because his dad was an Army sergeant. He lived for many years in Pittsburgh, where he died. Paul O'Neill was 84 and years he, old. And he, he never played outfield for the Yankees. No, it's two different people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Or, uh, yeah, you know, he thought you had an autograph there when you had Paul O'Neill's signature and the money, but he never played for the Yankees. Or the, I think O'Neill played also. Paul, That other Paul O'Neill played for the Reds, too, I believe. For the Reds, too. You're, you're right about that. Okay. You want to take your break, Tom? Why don't we do that? Dr. Edward Funkhauser, a list of those who have died, and, uh, who deserve to be remembered, died in the last two or three months, uh, keeping up our schedule of our necrology. We'll have more after this. WPTF, Tom Kearney Show, and the necrology, uh, February, from late February through uh, late May, we collected uh, names of those people who have uh, played a part in our lives who were celebrities, politicians, musicians, sports stars, and whatever. Dr. Edward Funkhauser, in fact, does the collecting for us, and tonight he's producing a second stage of a report that goes back over those three months. And, Ed, we've got about ten minutes left for you to uh, espouse okay. those who, who have left us. All right. Uh, uh, Tom, I want to mention Bernard Ebers, Bernie Ebers. Died February 2nd, 878. Now, that is a name that some may find familiar, but uh, perhaps many have forgotten Bernie Ebers. He was the founder and CEO of WorldCom, a telecommunications firm. I particularly remember this fellow. In the 1980s and 90s, WorldCom was one of the fastest-growing companies in our nation. WorldCom, which was headquartered in Mississippi, acquired more than 60 telecommunication firms and was a great success story in the telecommunication field, uh, just like Enron was, you remember, in the gas and oil business. And then WorldCom suffered the same fate as Enron. WorldCom's accounting misstatement totaled $11 billion, with a B, dollars. 
Evers was sentenced to 25 years in prison for fraud in 2005. He was released in December of 2019 because he was in poor health. Uh, it's a very interesting life story for this fellow. He was uh, a native of Canada, came south to play basketball originally at a Mississippi college. He also worked for a time as a milkman and a bouncer. <laughs> Considered one of the most corrupt CEOs in United States history. Bernie Got caught up in that creative accounting again. Yeah. February 2nd, 878. Tom Coburn died, United States Senator from Oklahoma, for 10 years. He had been a member of the House of Representatives before that. Um, he, a Republican, a leading conservative in both the House and the Senate. He was a medical doctor, Tom, an obstetrician. He delivered 4,000 babies. <laughs> well, there's, um, some boaters. there's some boaters there. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, Caroline Reedy uh, was president and chief executive officer of Simon & Schuster Publishing Company for 12 years. 2008 to 2020, uh, this is obviously a position which had great influence and impact on the literary life of our nation. Uh, she had a long career. She led Simon & Schuster into e-books and digital distribution, and she led the firm's expansion to new territories around the world, notably in India. Uh, had many awards for her work. Carolyn Rady died May 12th. She was 71 years old. Um, Donald Kennedy, who was commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 77 and up until uh, 1979. He was president of Stanford University also for 12 years, as a matter of fact, from 1980 to 92, and editor-in-chief of the respected scientific publication Science for eight years. He died uh, at Donald Kennedy April 21st. He was 88 years old. Richard Reeves, uh, chief political correspondent for the New York Times uh, in the 60s and early 70s, uh, syndicated columnist for more than 160 newspapers in the United States also, died March 25th. He was 83 years old. He produced some good work, Ed, and it was very yeah, insightful. Sure did. Um, he really did. Mort Drucker was an artist, cartoonist, and something called a caricaturist. Most famous for his career of 55 years with Mad Magazine, 1956 to 2011. Um, he also drew covers for other magazines as well, Time, DB Guide, and others. But mostly he's famous for his caricatures, his famous people, and his visual satire of movies like American Graffiti and The Empire Strikes Back. I remember his work very much. Mort Drucker um, won a number of prestigious awards that April 8th, age 91. Tom, I got one more for you. Okay, Tommy DePaola. Tommy D-E-P-A-O-L-A. That March 30th. Uh, he was 85 years old. American author, illustrator, and teacher for 50 years. Now, this fellow created more than 260 children's books and sold approximately 25 million copies. Think of that. <laughs> of his books were sold nationwide. And his most famous work was Strega Nona, which was published in 1975. 
And I so remember reading Sreganona to my youngin. Um, the Grandma Witch, S-P-R-E-G-A-N-O-N-A, Sreganona. Uh, and many, millions of folks today will recall Sreganona from their childhood. He taught art at colleges in California, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. In recent years, uh, he lived in a 200-year-old renovated barn up in New Hampshire. Lots of international uh, uh, award, awards and honors for his books. All right, Tom, how we how did we do on time tonight? If you, you come pretty close, and I want to say we've got about two minutes left, and I'm going to unpack something that I always look forward to. One of the things that I've missed about our not making the, the trip to the radio station over the last three or four months is you have not kept me up on your reading. So I want you to tell us what well, one book you have been reading that you would really recommend to somebody. Well, I've been reading uh, books about LBJ. Um, uh, LBJ in 1968, which I find uh, interesting because that's the year... Uh, LBJ had a terrible time in 1968, didn't he? Uh, that was the yeah. year of assassinations. It was the year of the Pueblo incident. And I have a personal relationship to the Pueblo incident because the Pueblo incident eventually, uh, well, let's put it this way, they sent me to Korea to get that straightened out. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I never knew this before, yes. No, I did go to Korea in 19, uh, the, the following year uh, as a result of the Pueblo incident, the seizure of an American ship. Who's the author LBJ of the book about 19- LBJ? What's that? Who is the author of the book about LBJ? I don't have it in front of me, Tom. I'm, I know you'd ask me that question. I wish you had. If you give me five seconds, I can get my hands on it, but I don't have it right in front of me at the moment. Well, we'll give you a homework assignment. The next time you appear, you have to tell us who the author of the book about LBJ is. That's a, I'm, I'm a reader, and I this is where I get my recommendations from. Uh, word of mouth is an awfully good uh, it's just in the next room. Uh, he's a professor at, I can tell you that by a professor at Arizona State University. And um, uh, and it is a, a noted book. It's just out in paperback, as a matter of fact. Well, you're off the hook now. We'll be out of time. And what we'll do is invite you to come back soon to uh, do another edition of The Necrology. Thank you for being with us tonight. Sure Ed. enough. Okay. Ed Funkhauser, Keeper of the Record for The Necrology on The Tom Kearney Show. Tomorrow night, we're going to have Friday Night Trivia.